morning. Can you all hear me? All right. Just making sure. I forgot to do a sound check earlier. Well, I am certainly glad that Pastor Dave had the foresight on Monday to call me and ask me to preach. He had no idea what kind of a week he was up against, but I'm glad he made that call, and I'm glad I was able to say yes. So, um, imparting the faith of Jesus is the, the message for this morning. And I know um, with the events of this week, with the events of the new year, um, even um, over the last year or so in my life, I have truly been tested in my faith. And I'm sure you have been tested in your faith in some form or fashion. Um, and so I just had on my mind and heart recently as, as, um, as the new year started to just talk about uh, the faith of Jesus and how we as Christians can impart that faith in our life. And I can honestly tell you that this year has been a crazy year for my family. You know about my dad's passing. Those of you who have heard me uh, share that story um, recently. My mother has um, really did not have a good Christmas. Two days before Christmas, she fell and broke her shoulder. Um, so the first Christmas without my dad was one filled with physical pain, not just emotional pain. Um, and she went to the hospital, got her shoulder re- redone, a uh, new shoulder, and she's been in skilled nursing for rehab and hopefully going to go home soon. Um, so just that kind of stuff, man. It just kind of goes, oh, my goodness. It's like a, a hit in the gut. When stuff like that happens in our life, and when tragedies hit in our world, it's, it's a really difficult thing. So I'm, I'm preaching a message for all of us today, including myself. When preachers get up here to preach a message, you obviously know that we prepare for that message, and we sink it into our own spirit, and we preach it because we're preaching to ourselves first. And then we like to share what we're learning through this process with all of you. So... I would like for us to think about one uh, phrase uh, to start off this morning. And if you could just say to yourself, I wish I could have more faith, so I dot, dot, dot. I wish I could have more faith, so. When you think of New Year, uh, I'm not much of a New Year's resolutions type person, but I, I was thinking about this. I'm like, if I could just have more faith this year, what would it look like? How would I live? How would that change my life? There was a story of a great circus performer by the name of Blondin who stretched a long steel cable across the Niagara Falls. And during during high wind times, he would go over there and he, without a safety net, he would walk and run and dance across the tightrope in front of a whole bunch of people. And the people were just like amazed by this. And this is an interesting story because one day he took a wheelbarrow full of bricks and he amazed the crowd because he pushed that wheelbarrow all the way across the Niagara Falls on this tightrope. And then he looks at the crowd and he says, Now, how many of you believe that I can put a man in this wheelbarrow and go across Niagara Falls? And all the whole crowd's like, Yeah, we believe you can do that. And then he turns to the crowd and said, All right, who wants to get in? (laughs) nobody, nobody wanted to do it. I think that's kind of a picture of sometimes of of the way our faith operates sometimes in the Christian life. Many people say, yes, I believe. I believe in Jesus. And if we're among those who say that, I'm wondering, do we really 
demonstrate that belief by trusting our life to God. Yeah, 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 I believe. Now, are you willing to get in that wheelbarrow and risk everything for your faith? That what it, that's what it means to believe, to risk it, to t- put total trust and faith. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It's a total life commitment. Trusting God and living by faith is something we all struggle with. We all struggle with worry. We all struggle when tragedy strikes us. And we often have times when our faith is completely shaken and destroyed, at least for a time. Have you ever been told in order to grow in your faith, you have to imitate or become like Jesus? Have you ever heard on that? Yeah. Uh, I'm guilty of saying that a lot. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I I read something uh, recently from um, the professor that I I got to study in my doctoral studies with, uh, Dr. Leonard Sweet. And uh, he said it this way. He and uh, Frank Viola wrote a book, and it really rocked my world some years ago, uh, a few years ago when they came out with this book. It's called The Jesus Manifesto. And it's a simple little book that calls the church back to Jesus, to really think about Jesus as the Messiah in our life. And I like how they they pose this. They say this, There is a vast ocean of difference between trying to compel Christians to imitate Jesus and learning how to impart an implanted Christ. The former only ends up in failure and frustration, and the latter is the gateway to life and joy in our daying and our dying. So they point out that those who place their faith in Christ for salvation for their sin, Jesus has been implanted... In their souls. We have the living Lord implanted in our very being. And therefore his life, his power, and his ways are available to us if we simply allow him to rule and reign in our lives. They go on to say this. Following Jesus means to trust and obey as the old hymn goes. But faith and obedience to Christ isn't self-effort. It's responding to God's will and living by his indwelling life through the power of the Spirit. I think we need to be reminded that we have the implanted Spirit of Jesus in us. I think we need to be reminded that we can, when we place our faith in Jesus, I want you to write this one down. When we place our faith in Jesus... We are given the faith of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way. When we place our faith in Jesus, we are given the faith of Jesus. Now, the word impart is kind of a a word that I don't ever use in everyday life. I don't say I'm about to impart a message to you. (laughs) But it's a great word to, to help understand that when we impart something, it means to make known to communicate, to relate to. So we are to communicate and make known the faith of Jesus through our everyday life. When people see us go through life difficulties, they see the faith that produces peace, that passes all understanding. When they see that, they see Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 17. I do have it up on the, on the screen as well. We're going to read verses 3 through 10. And this is a text that 
gives us two ways. There's many ways that we can impart the faith of Jesus in our lives. But I want to concentrate on two based upon the scripture. Starting in verse 3, it says, If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Yet if the, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. I like this. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you have a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I drink, eat and drink? After that, you may eat or drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, you, we are unworthy servants. We only have done our duty. This is a tough passage to, to really think about. So the first part, uh, the first impartation of faith of Jesus in our life is forgiveness. Let's think about this one for a moment. Forgiveness is the center of the gospel message that we proclaim. Forgiveness or the lack thereof is often the center of our life's most deepest issues. Jesus himself is the embodiment of what it means to forgive. God's loving grace and forgiveness is something Jesus not only lived out, but he died for it. One of most life's most difficult things to do is to confront someone with their sin and forgive them when they've wronged you. And if we don't forgive, we're not submitting to the will of God and not imparting the Jesus that has been implanted in us. Jesus tells us to rebuke fellow Christians who sin and cause harm to you and others. A person's sin cannot be overlooked, but must be called out if there is to be forgiveness. The will of the Father is to confront sin with loving correction. If the person repents, we are to forgive even up to seven times every day. You remember from Pastor Dave's sermons through the book of Revelation, he understood, we understand that seven is a biblical number. So Jesus was using this number on purpose. He was, he was basically raising the bar because the Old Testament uh, law required somebody to forgive up to three times a day. Only three. <laughs> but he raises the bar, and we also know that seven is a number for biblical completeness. So he's basically suggesting that it's unconditional, unlimited forgiveness. That's hard. It's hard to do. If you and I are supposed to forgive others as God through Christ has forgiven us, we need to impart the forgiving nature of Jesus himself. We, are, we have his forgiving nature through the Holy Spirit's indwelling in us. And he's commanding us to impart this love and forgiveness to others. Now, verse 5, the disciples say something that's rather fun and I can relate to. I, it's not necessarily known if they're, they were sarcastic with this, but 
I can, I can honestly say for me, I would be sarcastic. <laughs> hey, Jesus, you <laughs> increase my faith because <laughs> I can't do that. What you're asking me to do, I cannot do. It's like they were saying, this is impossible. The statement is one of urgency. Like, whoa, <laughs> that's overwhelming for us to even be told that we have to do that. It's like they knew they could not apply what Jesus was commanding them to do on their own. Now, for us, it might not be the issue of forgiveness that we're having a hard time with. Maybe whatever it might be, our hearts begin to fear and anxiety and worry tends to grip us. And we play out worst case scenarios and our trust in God's plan is compromised. Jesus responds to this with what he is most famous for. He gives a metaphor. And I love this. Verse 6. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. See, the mustard seed was the smallest of all known seeds in its day in the, for the farmers in Palestine. And the mulberry tree, this is interesting, cultivated in Palestine for its fruit, could be found everywhere. So I'm sure he probably just picked out, okay, well, we have the small mustard seed thing, and then, oh, there's a tree, there's a mulberry tree, I'm going to use that. And he, and he says, you know, you have to understand that the mulberry tree was interesting. It didn't, its roots didn't go deep into the ground. They kind of were spread, uh, they, they spread, well, they did go deep in the ground, but they spread out really wide. So they're not easy to uproot. So Jesus is using this metaphor for a reason. He's telling us that um, the transplanting of such tree into the sea into the sea is unbelievable. But he's trying to show us that with faith there is no impossibilities. If we have the faith, a small amount of faith, as in the mustard seed, we can do anything. But I want you to understand something: the size of our faith is irrelevant when we have the faith of Jesus implanted in our hearts. Completely unrelevant. The faith that has been implanted in us is powerful and it has authority. So I love the, the, the thought of the mustard seed because the thought of the mustard seed is something that conveys the idea that, that life and our spiritual life is going to grow. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do something. Even though it's small, it has life in it, and therefore it can produce fruit from it. So if our Jesus-implanted faith is not being ignored, it will grow and enable us to live Jesus-centered lives. It's possible. I'm going to go back to talk a little bit more about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an easy task. It takes faith and trust in God to confront and forgive. It literally takes the faith of Jesus. In my work as a hospice chaplain, I help people deal with issues of forgiveness on a regular basis. Forgiveness and the issues of forgiveness are at the heart of end-of-life spiritual distress. When a person is coming towards their end, Issues that have been deeply rooted in their life 
that have not been forgiven and have grown to bitterness, it comes up. And I've learned a lot about forgiveness issues at the end of life by listening to people dealing with it. And I can remember when I first started doing this work, I was more concerned that a, a person would like me and accept me as their chaplain, and it was all about me in the moment, and I wouldn't go to those deeper spots, the deeper places. I would not confront bad theology. <laughs> I would not confront a person on their inability to forgive. And I was doing them a disservice. And so God finally got a hold of me and said, God, Scott, you've got to do this. This is your job. This is why you're there, is to help people come to forgiveness in their life. Not just forgiveness with me, God, but forgiveness with other people and forgiveness within themselves. And one of the things that I've noticed is that with people that have deep faith, it's the hardest thing to forgive themselves for holding on to a grudge that they have held on to for 50, 60 years. It's huge. So I understand that when it comes to confronting somebody wrong against you, it's really a difficult task. But we have to grab a hold of the faith of Jesus implanted in our hearts to do what needs to be done. And we're doing it so that there's peace. We're doing it that there's forgiveness. And we're doing it because God has commanded us to do so. To love people. No matter what they've done. I I seriously deal with this all the time. Issues of abuse. All kinds of stuff. That people have never dealt with. And it's a tragedy. Because sometimes I see people die not being able to let it go. And it breaks my heart. Because those people don't have the faith of Jesus. For those of us who do, it is possible. Verse 10, I'm going to skip down to verse 10 in this passage. It talks about the second thing, that the second way that we can impart the faith of Jesus in our lives. He says, so you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only one duty. We have only done our duty. See, Jesus knew how to balance one truth with another for, so his disciples wouldn't go to an extreme. See, the miraculous faith of, of the mustard seed and then taking the mulberry tree into the sea, that was miraculous faith, must be balanced by faithful day-to-day ordinary service. Think about what Jesus is saying. We must remember the, the life of a servant Jesus himself who lived a life of service. He was the creator of the world. He humbled himself. He became a man. He then served others with his life. And then he laid down his life as a ransom for many. John, or excuse me, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even I, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but also to serve and give my life as a ransom. So Jesus... In this moment, he's saying, part of imparting my faith in your life is going about everyday service. And he tells it with a story. It's kind of an interesting story. He says, suppose one of you have a servant plowing or 
looking after their sheep, would he say to the servant, when he comes into the, from the field, come now and sit down to eat? Wouldn't he not rather say, prepare my supper and get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink, and then after that you may eat and drink? Would he thank the servant because he has done what he's told to do? Faith that does not result in faithfulness will not accomplish God's work. Faith that does not result in faithfulness will not accomplish God's work. It is good to have faith to do the difficult thing of forgiving people. It's great to have faith to do the impossible, the miraculous things. But it's essential to have faith to do the routine tasks our master has commanded for us to do. The story emphasizes faithfulness to our master no matter what the demands might be. The role of the servant is to do the will of the master. If a common servant is faithful to obey the orders of his master, who does not reward or thank him, how much more will God, through Christ, reward his followers? God's promises are true. There will be a time that one day, if we are faithful in our faith, (laughs) that he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now come and enter the glory that has been prepared for you. It takes simple and pure faith in the master to serve him faithfully. It's not an easy task. It literally takes the faith of Jesus. It literally takes the faith of Jesus to forgive and love people. And it literally takes the faith of Jesus to faithfully serve. Our faith grows when we're committed to serving our master in humble submission. The attitude of a servant is a sign of our imparting the faith of Jesus in our life. Now, imparting the faith of Jesus is what you and I, through most, is what we need to do when life's most difficult things come our way. We need to be encouraged that we have the faith of Jesus implanted in our hearts and that it will grow when we submit to him and we follow the, the Holy Spirit's leading to, to comfort and guide and direct and confront. and He's everything that we need. And it's true that we grow spiritually the most when life's trials come our way. I often say it like this when I talk to people. It's in time like when, that are dealing with grief and loss. It's in times like this, people do one or two things. They either run away from God or they run to him. And I always encourage people, no matter where they're coming from, run to him. Don't push him away. And I quote that lamentation scripture that uh, Gabby read earlier, that God's mercies are fresh every day. His compassionate presence is with us. So I want to end uh, today with us just pondering. You remember that question I asked of you at the beginning? What, you know, if, if I could just have more faith, so I want you to think about that as I read the words of James over you. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? Allow the scripture text to just sink into your souls today. 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, and God gives graciously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all he does. I want us to think this morning and process this week that spiritually growing faith becomes evident when we impart the faith of Jesus who lives in us. So the questions for us this morning is, have you put your hands in, or your life in the hands of God? And have you trusted and placed your faith in Jesus and his death on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins? Do you need to renew that commitment to him to say today? Do you have the desire to have the faith of Jesus by place, placing your faith in him? And be reminded that when we place our faith in Jesus, we are given the faith of Jesus. Let's pray. God, in this moment, you know everything that we're going through. You know the things that our world is going through. Terror and sickness. Financial difficulties. Worries. Whatever it happens to be, God, today we want to we wanna tell you, first of all, we need you in our life. We need you, Jesus. For those of us who have been following you for some time, let's, we, just, we just want to be reminded that your faith has been implanted in our hearts. Help us to access it when difficult times come. For those of us who have never had that faith implanted in our hearts, it's a simple thing. Just ask for God to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, to make you a new person, to make you the kind of person he wants you to be, and to commit yourself to him, to live for him every day through his strength, not ours. Father God, do a renewing work in us continually as we impart your faith in our life. We pray in Jesus' name.